Well, a little picking and a grinning going on here today. Y'all. Y'all a little bit more rambunctious than normal, which I take as a positive thing. What an awesome worship time. What well, he is worthy. It was in my prayer time years ago that God gave me nine words. They all began with a P, and I guess it's ten words because I was praying when I got the nine. God gave me this. Lord, would you please fill me with your power and your presence, your purpose, your passion, your providence, your peace, your purity, your provision, your protection. Why they all start with P, unless it's for memorization, I have no idea, except they describe him. Him. We've covered the first eight. Prayer, power, presence, purpose, passion, providence, peace, and purity. Today, I will cover the final two and finish the session. Session number five. Provision and protection. And if the Lord is willing, next Sunday the topic is quite unusual. It's bread, water, and snakes. And no, we will not be handling snakes next week. We will talk about them. So today, provision and protection, Lord, fill us. I want you to remember something as we finish this last session. This is very personal to me because it came to me when I was seeking after his heart. So let's start today with provision. If you look up the word itself, it is the action of providing or supplying something for use. Provision, the action of providing or supplying something that you need to use. Provision is the act of providing. God is my provider. God is my provision. Fill me. So I ask a question to you today if you're in the, in the audience present on site or you're watching online. Who is your provider? Have you ever thought about it? Who is your provision? Who would you consider to be the source of your supply? Is it you? You go out and you work hard and you are the provider for you and your family. Is it you? Is it your employer that they give you the means by which you can provide for your family so you consider your provision your job? Is it the government that is your provision? Who? So I want to do something. I want to start with the physical side of this word called provision, but it always moves to the spiritual side. But both sides are real and both sides are relevant today to the word called provision. So let's begin with the physical. In Psalms 111 verse 5, the word of God proclaims he, God, gives food to those who fear him. He always remembers his covenant. He gives food to those who fear him. So I ask you a question. Do you like food? Do you like to eat? Where does it come from? Kroger? 
Is that it? Is that your provision, Kroger? In Psalms 147, verse 9, he gives food to the wild animals. And he feeds the young ravens when they cry. God is our provision. God is our provider. All of creation, humans, animals, all creation, draws its provision from a single source. One single source. And it doesn't matter whether you acknowledge it or not, it doesn't change the truth. The truth is God is our provision. He is our provider. In Psalm 65 verse 9 it says, you take care of the earth and you water it, making it rich and fertile. The river of God has plenty of water and it provides a bountiful harvest of grain for you have ordered it so. You drench the plowed ground with rain, melting the clods and leveling the ridges. You soften the earth with showers and bless it with abundant crops. You crown the year with a bountiful harvest. Even the hard pathways overflow with abundance. The grasslands of the wilderness become a lush pasture and the hillsides blossom with joy. Who does that? God is our provision. My wife and I and our family has planted a garden for the last two years, mostly tomato plants. But if you're from Anderson County, you know our soil, especially on the hilltops, is kind of hard and cloddy and a lot of clay. I proclaim to you today that he even softens the clods of Anderson County. <laughs> and they grow good tomatoes. In Jeremiah 31, verse 35, it is the Lord who provides the sun. Try to grow something without it. It is the Lord that provides the sun to light the day and the moon and stars to light the night and who stirs the sea into roaring waves. His name is the Lord of heaven's armies. This is what he says. Now, if you look at the context of that verse, I didn't include it all. And this is what he says. I am as likely to do away with all of this created order as I am to abandon my people Israel. In other words, it's not going to happen. This issue of provision is not a sideline issue. It is life itself. Provision is life. God is our provision, and he is holding all creation together right now. The universe, everything, he is holding together by his provision and by his presence through Jesus Christ our Lord. It is through Christ. So here comes what my first big point today. God's presence, which is holding it all together, is our provision. When he is here, he is a provider, the provider. When he is here, so God's presence is our provision. But I need to tell you the truth. You can turn that the other way. God's presence is our provision, but the absence of God's presence is our lack of provision. And I want to tell you what that's going to look like. 
If his presence is our provision, then the absence of his presence is a poverty that no human can comprehend. And I want to tell you the best words I can come up with are this. The absence of his presence is a poverty that equals nothing. You have nothing. And you will have nothing forever. Nothing. He is our provision. In Colossians 1.15, one of the best descriptions of God incarnate, God in the flesh, God with skin on him, is Colossians 1.15. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, Jesus, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see. What can't you see? Such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, authorities in the unseen world. I can't see them, but he made them. Everything was created through him. When we're talking about him, we're talking about Jesus. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and here it comes. And he holds all creation together. He's holding everything together. So when somebody says, "Way well, the world's falling apart, it looks like it to us, but he's holding everything together right now. But what would happen in his absence? What would happen if he let go, if he backed away, separated himself? I'll say it again. His presence is our provision, but the absence of his presence is a poverty that equals nothingness. Eternal nothingness, great loss. I've come to this simple conclusion. After you realize who he is, who Jesus is, you won't have trouble worshiping him ever again, never. If the physical side of God's provision is not enough for you today, let's look at the spiritual side. His name is Jehovah Jireh. You might hear it referred to as Yahweh Yireh, which is a different way of saying the same word. Let me tell you what that means, Jehovah Jireh. God had asked Abraham to demonstrate his ultimate act of faith and trust on a place called Mount Moriah. It was God's miraculous provision that had given Abraham and Sarah a son. Provision comes in many forms. God supernaturally, supernaturally provides Abraham at 100, Sarah at 90, a son. It's supernatural provision. And now God tells Abraham to take his son, his only son, Isaac, and take him to Moriah, take a knife and put it through him, kill him, and set him on fire as an offering on the altar of Moriah. This moment's going to reveal something 
that Abraham wasn't necessarily looking for. It's called provision. It is supernatural provision that God will reveal through his own name, Jehovah Jireh. Here's a big point. Faith in the provider will unlock supernatural. Supernatural means humans can't do it. Faith in the provider will unlock supernatural provision. I'm going to show it to you. Beginning in Genesis 22, verse 6. So Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders, while he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them walked along together, now pause for a moment in the story. If you'll ever just stop for a moment and see a father, the reality of the story, a father and his son walking to Moriah, the son doesn't know what the father knows. That my dad has plans from his God to kill me and set me on fire as an offering to his God. Abraham carries the fire and the knife, and the boy has on his shoulders the wood for his own altar burning. Verse 7, Isaac, the boy, turns to Abraham, his father, and says, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied, we have the fire, we have the wood, but where is the sheep? Where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Can you imagine this moment? If you're Abraham, can you talk? Can the words come out of your mouth? And if the words could come out of his mouth, what would he say to the boy that he fully expects to kill on Mount Moriah? Verse 8, here he comes. God will provide. God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son. Abraham answered and they walked on together. Oh, the power of this scene. Oh, the power of those words. God will provide. He is our provision. He is our physical provision. He is our spiritual provision. And Abraham has something. He's called in the Bible the father of our faith. By faith, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And he became the example, the pattern of what it is to believe God. Let's move on. Verse 9, the story continues. When they arrived at the place where God had told him to go, Abraham built an altar and arranged the wood on it. And then he tied his son Isaac. Can you imagine tying him up? And he laid Isaac on the altar on top of the wood, and Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. At that moment, the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, yes, Abraham replied, here I am. Don't lay a hand on the boy, the angel said. Do not hurt him in any way, for now I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld from me even your son, your only son. And then Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught by its horns in a thicket. What a coincidence. A ram caught by its horns in a thicket, so he took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering in the plate in place. And he took it and he sacrificed it as a burnt offering in the place of, in substitution of 
his son Isaac. And Abraham named the place Yahweh Yireh, Jehovah Jireh, which means what? The Lord will provide. Now here's when it gets interesting to me. To this day, people still use that name, Jehovah Jireh, as a proverb, which means on the mountain of the Lord. On the mountain, where are they? They're on Mount Moriah. On the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. This event took place on Mount Moriah, what is known today as the Temple Mount in Jerusalem. Do you see it? Right now, at this point, I wonder how many of you see it. On the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. Do you see it? I hope you do. What, what, what? On the mountain of the Lord, on Mount Moriah, on a high place in Jerusalem, it will be provided. What will be provided? Provision. What is the provision? What was provided on the Mount of Abraham? What was provided on that mountain that the Jehovah-Jireh word originates from? A ram. A lamb. A substitute. A substitute offering was provided. On the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. This scene is casting a prophetic shadow of a future event that will be fulfilled on the mountain of the Lord, the same place, general place in Jerusalem, on the mountain of the Lord, it, a substitutionary lamb, will be provided. It will be some 2,000 years later, but the substitutionary lamb will be provided. The lamb of God on the mountain of the Lord, the description of Jerusalem, it will be provided. Today I proclaim this truth. Jesus is our provision. His presence in your life is the provision of your life. Do you understand how big this is? Faith in the provider. By believing that he is the Lamb of God, the substitutionary sacrifice of God, the fulfillment of the shadow of Abraham and Isaac, because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. It's the shadow of what was going to come 2,000 years later. Jehovah Jireh on the mountain of the Lord, it's going to be provided. This is so big. What is so, so, so big? Let's start with Abraham's story. Isaac, you don't have to die. Isaac, you don't have to die. The Lord will provide a substitute. On the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. And there's a ram caught in the thicket. What about us today? I look at you today and I say this. You don't have to die. Do you know how big this is? The Lord will provide a substitute on the mountain of the Lord. He will provide. He has provided a sacrifice, a substitution sacrifice, so that you don't have to be the one on the altar. Somebody already came. The lamb already came to the altar. 
on this Memorial Day weekend, I thought about this. There's a, st a statistic that I heard a few years ago. I've never been able to get out of my mind about the United States military and veteran service. Do you know that 1% of the U.S. population serves in the military? 1% serves to protect the 99. That's why we honor veterans, because 1% protects the 99. And they're willing to die to be a substitution for the 99%. And all of that is just this, as wonderful as that is, all of us are going to die unless there's one who sacrifices for the rest of us. On the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. Faith in the provider will unlock the supernatural provision on the mountain of the Lord. And what is that supernatural provision? A lamb. Some 2,000 years later, this guy named John the Baptist who the Bible says was filled with the Holy Spirit even in his mother's womb. He comes out preaching somewhere around the age of 30. He comes out preaching, and he's, he's uh, supernaturally empowered with the vision and understanding of things. And he says this, John 1, 29, the next day, John the Baptist saw Jesus coming toward him, and out of his mouth comes these words. And I want you to connect these words of John the Baptist to 2,000 years previous, Abraham, Isaac on Mount Moriah. And he says, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He is the one I was talking about when I said, a man coming after me who is far greater than I am, for he existed long before me. Understand, John actually was six months ahead of Jesus in his birthday. And yet he says, he who comes after me is before me. How can he be before him? Because he knows that Jesus is that lamb in Abraham's story. I'll tell you the truth. Before Abraham was even born, I am. And John knows because the Holy Spirit has revealed it to him. He existed before anything else. And he holds all creation together. On the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. And today for us, faith in the provider releases a supernatural provision. Faith in the provider opens up to you and your family a supernatural. Man can't do it. You can't do it. Provision of God. The Lamb of God is our provision. And I tell you this, His provision, excuse me, His presence is our provision, physical and spiritual, now and into eternity. His presence is our provision. But I have to tell you this, the absence of His presence is a poverty and great loss that you and I cannot comprehend what it is to exist with nothing forever. And I mean exist with nothing. What do you think hell is? It is the place of God's absence. It is to exist outside of His provision with nothing forever. Left with nothing. If his presence is our provision, what would his absence produce? You ready? 
nothing. When you could have had everything. Jesus' presence right now is holding all creation together for a moment. From God's perspective, it's just a moment. And what will happen in his absence when he withdraws his presence? When faith has failed to unlock his provision, what would happen if he separated himself from the world, if he separated himself from you? In Colossians 1.17, I'll read it again. He existed before anything, before anything else, and he holds all creation together. What do you think is going to happen if, he, if his presence is removed from creation, if his presence is removed from you? Jesus is our physical, let's go in another direction to make that point even more clear. Jesus is our physical provision right now today. Today, do you have faith in his physical provision? Is he your provider? Do you have faith, trust that he is your provider? Or, so here's the test. Do you fret or worry about your physical provision? Anybody in the room, please don't raise your hand. Anybody in the room a worrier? Anybody in the room a worrier? Those things that go in your mind and they just keep going play and loop and loop and loop and loop. How is this going to, how am I, how, uh, 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 and it just, you just kind of just can't stop. What does worry say about your faith? What does worry in your life say about Jehovah Jireh? What's it say? Do you think he's not able to provide for you physically? You see, I'm convinced that God knows that we need this word called provision. I think he knows that we have to, as physical beings, we have to eat, we have to drink, and we have to have shelter, like clothing or some shelter from the elements. He knows it because he created us with these needs, so he knows. And even though he knows that we need to eat, drink, and be clothed and sheltered, even though he knows, he gives us some very sound advice. And I want you to know when I read this, he's Jehovah Jireh. Here's what he says in Matthew 6, 31. So don't worry about these things. What, what things? What you will eat, what you're going to drink, and what you're going to wear. Why? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. So if you're in the room today and, and you really struggle with worry and you struggle with fret about the future, about your physical needs being met, your physical needs being met, if you're one of those, Jesus says that's what unbelievers do. That's what people who don't know who Jehovah Jireh is. That's what they do. That's not what you do, right? Because on the mountain of the Lord, he will provide. Verse 32, these things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly father already knows your needs. So what's counsel to believers? What's counsel to us? Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. So seek God and do what's right. Are you ready? Seek God, do what's right. Is this complicated? Seek God, do what's right. And he will give you everything you need. Do you believe him? 
I'm asking you. It's a real application. Seek God, do what's right, and he'll give you everything you need. Not everything you want, everything you need. There's a difference. Seek God, the kingdom of God, and a supernatural provision will come to you in your house. I can give you a testimony. It's true. He is Jehovah Jireh. Jesus is also providing not just a right now, right here, eat, drink, and wear. He is also providing a supernatural place, a place, a physical place by which we will eat, drink, and wear something in the eternal future. Not just now, but I'm going to tell you, he's made a plan for us to spend some time at the Father's house. And there we're going to eat and we're going to drink and we're going to be clothed. And I'm happy about the idea we're all going to wear clothes there. And some of you all are too. We will eat, drink, and be clothed in this future place, the Father's house. Jesus describes the ultimate and final provision in this physical place. It's a physical place. You're not going to be a spook, Casper the friendly ghost. You're, you're going to be you there. John 14, 1. Have you ever read it in this context that Jesus says, don't worry. Don't let your hearts be troubled. You trust in God, trust also in me, the Son of God. There's more than enough room in my future father's house. There's, this is a big house. And if this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you and when everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. There's his presence. And you know the way to where I'm going. I'm going to make a place for you. This, this is our ultimate provision. Not just a temporary, you're going to live so long on the earth provision, but there's an ultimate provision. I'm going to go and prepare a future place, a physical future place for you. A future place where we will eat, drink, and be clothed, and forever in the presence of the Lamb. And I tell you today, His presence is our provision, and the absence of His presence will equal a poverty that no human can comprehend. Forever nothing. But what about now? What about now while we wait for Jesus to come back and get us? So when everything is ready, I will come and get you. That's what he said. And I'll take you to the Father's house. But what about now? What about while we're waiting for him to come and get us? And here's the final P. Protection. Jesus' presence is my protection. His presence is my protector while I wait for him. While I wait for him... He is my protector. And I'm going to explain what that means. We live in a dangerous world that is operating right now, whether you acknowledge it or not, we live in a dangerous world that is operating under the power of the spirit of Antichrist. People are dying from death every day on this present earth. Did you notice? People are dying from death every day on this earth. I went and looked just yesterday. This in past year, in 2020... 2.9 million people died in America. 2.9 million people died. Not necessarily from any specific COVID or heart or cancer. Overall, 2.9 people, 2.9 million people died in America last year. That's 8,000 people a day are dying. It's a dangerous world we live in. Death is everywhere. 
So let's focus on the protection that is ours when we look around and see so much death. While we wait for our king, is there a protection that is offered to us from Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides? Now, here's where it gets really interesting to me. Jesus, before he goes to the cross, prays a prayer to his father. And it's recorded in the Gospel of John. And there's something in here that's just, to me, amazing. John 17, 13, Jesus says, I'm coming to you now. So Jesus knows he's going to the cross and he'll soon ascend to the Father in heaven. I'm coming to you now, but I say these things while I'm still in the world so that they, my followers, may have the full measure of my joy within them. Something needs to happen on the inside of these guys. I have given them your word. He's talking to his father, Papa. He's talking to Abba. He says, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because I gave them your word. And they are not of this world any more than I am of this world. My prayer, here it comes, here it comes. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world. My prayer, Father, I'm not asking you right now to snatch all my believers up to heaven. My prayer is not that you write, at least not right now. My prayer is not that you snatch them off of the earth, no. But that you protect them from the evil one. That's my prayer. Do you see it? This is this. I, there's a season that I'm not going to ask you to take them from the earth. But during that season, I am going to ask you to protect them. And here's, here's big. From evil one. Singular. Now, I, I, I'm, I can read the Bible, and the Bible says there are a lot of demons. There's a lot of demons. But those demons work under a single authority. And he says, my prayer is not that you take them from the world, but you protect them from the evil one. One is singular. These demons operate under a supernatural power that is headed up by a singular person who is Satan or the devil. So the spirit of Antichrist draws its power from him, but operates through the demonic realm. But ultimately, there's an evil one. If you've ever wondered why I continually say there's only two spirits, that's one example. Protect them from the evil one. There are two spirits, and I proclaim to you today, one is for your protection, and the other is bent on your destruction. Two spirits. These two spirits are at war, and that war has been raging in the heavenly realm since before creation itself. Satan desired and desires the throne, but the throne belongs to Jesus and to him alone. And what's really interesting about the whole throne thing is Abraham's story with Isaac was on Moriah, the temple mount. And where will the Antichrist present himself in the tribulation but on the temple mount in the temple proclaiming to the world he's God, wanting the throne that he cannot have. He cannot have it. Satan hates Jesus, and Satan hates all those who follow Jesus, and Satan hates everybody who believes this is the Word of God. Satan is currently the reigning power of this present earth, 
But he can read. Does that surprise you that he can read? And he knows that his days are numbered and that the true king is coming soon. This is why you must come to grips with this final P today called protection. His presence, Jesus' presence is our protection. And the absence of Jesus' presence, the absence, if he pulls away from you or withdraws from you, there is a destruction because you will have no protection from the adversary, the evil one that Jesus asked the Father for you to be protected against. You'll be destroyed. The world that belongs to Satan hates Jesus, and the world hates Jesus' followers. The world hates the Bible. Satan hates me, and I know it, but I can tell you today I have a protector. I've got a protector. His name is Jesus, and I know that his presence is my protection, and I also know this, that the absence of his presence is my ultimate destruction. I know. Jesus knows who Satan is. Do you? There are more than likely people sitting in this room or watching online today that if you be honest, you really don't believe in Satan. You don't believe there's a singular power person in the heavenly realms with demons, fallen angels working under his authority at war against God playing out on planet earth. Some of you don't believe it. Jesus knows who Satan is. And Jesus declares Satan's plans to destroy you by merely, how? By merely keeping you away from Jesus. All he's got to do is keep you away from Jesus. If he can keep you away from Jesus, he can, end your, he can create a destructive end to your life. So, in John 8, 42, let me, let me show you how this is revealed. In John chapter 8, Jesus is going to talk to some religious people who feel like they know God, but they don't know how to get to God because you can only get to God through the Son, and they've rejected the Son, at least for now in the story, they've rejected Him. So they think they can get to God without Jesus. Well, that's how Satan would like to pull this off. To think that you can get to God without Jesus is your destruction. He will destroy you because you can't. So here we go. John 8, 42, Jesus told them, if God were your father, you would love me because I've come to you from God. I'm not here on my own, <clears throat> but he sent me. God the Father sent me. Why can't you understand what I'm saying? It's because you can't even hear me. How many times in the scripture do you read that whoever has ears to hear, let him hear and understand what the Spirit says to the church? He says, you can't hear, you can't even hear me. Verse 44, why? Why can't you hear me? Because something's missing. For you are children of your father, the devil. There's that other power, other spirit. Why can't you hear me? Because you're children of your father, the devil, and you love to do the evil things he does. He was a murderer from the beginning, and he's always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. 
When he lies, it is consistent with his character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So when I, Jesus, tell you the truth, you just naturally, naturally, because you don't have the spirit, you naturally don't believe me because you've got another father. You've got another spirit. Satan is a murderer. And you need a protector. Can I make this more clear? Satan is a murderer and you need a protector. You need protection. Jesus is the truth and the truth of Jesus. Are you ready? Jesus is the truth. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is the truth. And Jesus, the truth, reveals your protection. Do you know that? The truth of Jesus is the protection of Jesus. Truth is not just a set of ideals or facts. Truth is a person, and truth is your protection against the lie. Because the truth comes from Jesus, the lie comes from Satan. One comes from the Spirit of Christ, the other comes from the Spirit of Antichrist. He's a liar, the father of lies. So the truth would automatically dispel the lies. And if the truth reveals Christ, dispels the lie, then you're following the right spirit. You're not deceived. But what would happen if you reject the truth? I should do this. What would happen if you reject the truth? You would be rejecting the protection that the truth has afforded you from the one who is the truth. And Satan will murder you. How? By keeping you from the truth? How? By keeping you from the truth, which is a person, not a set of ideals necessarily, but truth is a person. What do you think it means when Jesus says the truth will set you free? I wonder how, if I could ask that to the church, I wonder how many answers I would get. Jesus says, then you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. Free from what? Do you know? Let's look at that, John 8, 31. Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly, these are the people who believe in him, okay? You are truly my disciples if, if, uh-oh, when God says if, you ought to pay attention. You are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. And you'll know the truth, and that truth will set you free. Today I declare if you reject the Bible, you reject the teachings of Jesus, you reject the protection of Jesus Christ. The very thing that he asked the Father, Father, I don't ask you to take them out of this world. I've given them your word and the world hated them. And I don't ask you to snatch them off this earth, at least not yet. I ask you to protect them from the evil one. But if you reject the teachings of Jesus, the word of God that he gave us through the Holy Spirit, you rejected the protection itself. His presence is my protection. And the absence of his protection and truth will be my destruction. The truth sets you free from the power of Satan. But how? How does it do it? Believing and receiving the truth does something. And, and I could talk about this for days, but let me make it simple. The truth in believing in the Word of God does something. It's called faith, and it opens the heart of an individual to receive the person of Christ called the Holy Spirit. Christ in you. It is your protection. 
Christ in you means the power and the person of Christ is inside of you. And if the, let's be logical, if the person of Christ is inside of me, how can Satan deal with me? What can he do to me? If the person of Christ lives inside this temple, what will happen if Satan, the murderer, approaches this temple? He must first stand against the Spirit of Christ before he can get to me. You ever notice in the Bible, um, kind of a sideline, at least it just kind of enters my mind. In the Bible, you can see Jesus over and over and over cast out evil spirits, but none of the evil spirits could ever tell Jesus to do anything. They couldn't tell him to leave, but Jesus says, you guys get out of here, and they had to get out. Which spirit do you want to operate under? You see, his presence, which is the Holy Spirit in me, is my protection, but I've got to say, the absence of his presence would then be my destruction. Because there is another spirit. There is another power. First John chapter 4, listen to what he says. For you belong to God. My dear children, you have already won a victory over those people because the spirit who lives in you, somebody say hallelujah, because the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit that lives in the world. Say hallelujah again. That's worth two. Those people belong to this world, so they speak from the world's viewpoint, and the world listens to them, but we, no, 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 we belong to God. And those who know God listen to us. If they do not belong to God, they do not listen to us. That is how we know if someone has, here it comes, that's how we know if someone has the spirit of truth or someone has the spirit of deception. Spirit of truth, spirit of deception. Two spirits. One operates under the spirit of Christ, under the authority of God the Father. The other operates under the spirit of Satan, the rebel, the enemy of God himself. Do you see how important it is to study and know the Word of God? It releases the wind. It releases the Spirit's power in your life. So do you today, do you know the truth about this liar? Do you know the protection and the power of Christ's presence that will overcome the one who hates your soul? More importantly, do you know Him? I didn't ask you, do you know about Him? Do you know Him? The protection power of the one that loves you and wants to save your soul. Do you know what it's like to walk around this dangerous earth with this supernatural protection over you? You're not afraid. Do you know what it's like to walk around this earth where there's death and decay everywhere? And yet you know about this supernatural protection. Father, I don't ask you to snatch them from the world. I ask you to protect them from the evil one. Do you know what it's like to walk in that promise? David, the psalmist, knew about this kind of heavenly protection. Psalms 5, verse 11. But let all who take refuge in you rejoice. That should be us. Let all who take refuge in you rejoice. Let them sing joyfully praises forever, even when they bring a banjo in. Let them sing praises forever. Spread your protection over them. That all who love your name may be filled with joy. For you bless the godly, O Lord. You surround them with your shields of love. This is the protection of God. I know that Satan hates me. And I also know that many people don't like me either. 
but I have a shield of love that protects me, that covers me. I know the Word of God and the promised protection of God for His children. And by faith, I receive the Word of God upon my life. Isaiah 54, 17. Powerful. I love this scripture. Some of you have memorized it. But in the coming day, Isaiah says this some 750 years before Jesus is born in Bethlehem. But in the coming day, no weapon turned against you will succeed. You will silence every voice raised up to accuse you. These benefits are enjoyed by the servants of the Lord. Their vindication will come from me. Ah, the Lord have spoken. Do you believe him? Do you know the secret and the provision of this provision and protection? Do you know what the secret of this is? These final two Ps. His presence is my provision. His presence is my protection. This used to be a secret. And it is still a secret to some people today who live in the world. But it's not a secret to us. It's been revealed to us by the Word of God. I am not saying that you will not suffer or experience harm while you walk in the light of truth. I never said that. That his protection does not mean you will not suffer, that you will not experience hardship. In fact, I'll tell you the opposite. I believe the closer we get to the return of Christ, the more the church will experience persecution. I am saying that no weapon turned against you will succeed. In the end, the Lord will vindicate you and he will raise you no matter what. In Colossians 1.24 this is the secret that I boast about today in Christ. I am glad when I suffer for you in my body. That's Paul talking. Is that you? I am glad when I suffer for you in my body, for I am participating in the sufferings of Christ that continue for his body, the church. There is suffering being connected to Christ. God has given me the responsibility of serving his church by proclaiming his entire message to you. This message was kept secret for centuries and generations past, but now it has been revealed to God's people. What is the secret? For God wanted them to know that the riches and glory of Christ are for you Gentiles too. Somebody say hallelujah. And the secret is this. Are you ready? What's the secret of the power and the presence and the purpose and the passion and providence and peace and purity and provision and protection? What is it? And the secret is you. Christ lives in you. He lives in you. This gives you assurance of sharing in his glory. By faith, you can have assurance in sharing in his glory. His presence is my provision. His presence is my protection. Christ lives in me right now. Jesus is in me right now. And I ask you, what can Satan do with that? And how would I know about any of these great and precious promises apart from the Bible? How? I wouldn't. What should you and I do after somebody reveals to you the secret? After today, you know the secret. What should you do now that you have received the secret? Christ lives in you. The next verse tells us what? Verse 28. So we tell others. I know the secret. So what do I do? So we tell others about Christ. 
warning everyone, teaching everyone with all the wisdom God has given us. We want to present them to God perfect in their relationship with Christ. That's why I work and struggle so hard depending on Christ's mighty power that works within me. So I tell others. Can I ask you a question today? Kind of a personal question. How many people have you told the secret? Do you feel any responsibility to warn people? To tell people about this secret of Christ lives in me and gives me this provision, supernatural, and this protection, supernatural? His presence is my provision. His presence is my protection. On the mountain of the Lord, the Lamb has been, has been provided. One whose presence will become your provision and your protection. And I'll declare to you today, the Lamb is here today. He's here. Not in the flesh, but in the power and the person of the Holy Spirit. He's here today. I can hear John the Baptist say, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. It's called good news. The gospel could be translated into another word called in English, the good news. And I'm going to ask you, who doesn't want to share good news? Everybody wants to share good news, right? So there you go. There's 10 Ps. Five sessions. 10 Ps. This is not a method. If you hear me today, know this. This is not a method. You can't just memorize these 10 things, uh, nine things, and pray these nine words, and somehow or another something supernatural happens to you. This is not a method. This is Christ in me. It's not a method. It's having a relationship with the living God through the person of Christ the Son. So I'll ask you as we wrap this series up, would you dare go into the presence of God and say with all of your heart, Lord, today, would you fill me with your power, your presence? your purpose, your passion, your providence, your peace, your purity, your provision, and your protection. Would you dare? And as you ponder that question, let me ask you this question. And what would happen if you don't? This is not knowing about Jesus. This is to know him. And he says that if you want to be my disciple, go and count the cost up front. Because up front, he's going to tell you that for you to pray that prayer legitimately before God the Father, you must be willing to deny yourself. Set aside yourself. Take up the cross, which is whatever God's calling upon your life will become, to follow him. Now, would you still pray that prayer? And what do you think you would happen if and when you did legitimately deny yourself, take up a cross, and he filled you with him? What do you think would happen? Here's your final scripture. And then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live, expectantly waiting, Jesus Christ.
I'll ask Chad to come on out. You see, I, I've kind of concluded that most people on earth, even unbelievers, would like to have this peace. They'd like to have provision. They'd like to have a whole lot of these peas. It all sounds pretty good to have these, right? But the problem is there's two spirits. And you can only find the real provision and protection by the spirit of truth. His name's Jesus. And today I just simply say this. We're going to sing a song, and that song is a time of invitation. And I don't know what the Holy Spirit's done in your life through this series or doing in your life right now, but I also believe time is short. And when Jesus was getting ready to go to the cross, I guess he could have asked for anything, but he says, I don't ask you to snatch them from this earth, not yet, but one day in the future, he knew that that would exact, happen exactly like that. They would be taken off. But in the meantime, until you do come snatch them from the earth, I ask you to protect them from the evil one. The only protection from the evil one is Christ in me. That's it. That's it. Is he? As I scan the room today, is he in you? It's yes or no. It's yes or no. Father, Fill us with your power, your presence, your purpose, your passion, your providence, your peace, your purity, your provision, your protection. Fill us with your son, Jesus. Protect us from the enemy while we wait for you to come for your bride. In Jesus' name, amen. The invitation's open. Let's stand.